learn to accept this, that change is inevitable. That's really the first step. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hi loves, welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today's episode is about change, love, and relationships. With us today is Monica Berg. Monica is an international speaker, spiritual thought leader, chief communications officer of the Kabbalah Center, and author of Rethink Love and Fear is Not an Option. A self-proclaimed change junkie, Monica shows individuals how to create a life that not only feels like it's working, but most importantly, a life in which they are living and loving as the powerful, fulfilled person they've always wanted to be. Hi, Monica. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So I was looking up on your book and your website and everything. You talk so much about the importance of change. And I wanted to know, were you always a change junkie or did something spark a change in you to see life this way? Yes, I love that question. Um, no, I wasn't always this way. I don't think that anybody comes in the world loving change. I think it's something that yeah. we all crave, right? We desire, and usually we get a haircut or we dye our hair. I mean, I did dye my hair purple once. Or we want to live in a different neighborhood or move. But the change I'm talking about is uncomfortable, and it's one that you actually seek. And it's I, listen, I understand why we don't like change. I mean, usually the first experience we ever had with change was uncomfortable. It was something usually that was forced upon us where some big change happened. Maybe a child's parents got divorced and now they had to learn to live in two homes, right? It's something that's usually thrust upon us and it comes out of nowhere. But in reality, change is the only constant. Mm-hmm. Change is happening all the time. In fact, as you and I are speaking now, there are things changing around yeah. us, in our bodies, everywhere. So if we learn to accept this, that change is inevitable, that's really the first step. And then when you understand that, then as things come along that didn't go your way or wasn't as planned or isn't what you had in mind, then you can really lean into that and say, okay, if that wasn't going to happen, what I thought was going to happen, and this is the reality, how can I see this as a gift, as an opportunity for something better? And often it really is. It's about trusting the universe. And when, you, mm-hmm. when you're like that, when you're flexible, when you are able to adapt to things, you know, going upside down very much like the world is today, then you really become addicted to change because you under it makes sense. And actually you're, mm-hmm. you work as one with the universe. And it's really up to each person to determine the relationship with yeah. change. You're either going to love it or hate it. And if you hate it, I think you're going to have a harder time navigating through life. I mean, I want to know what happened personally to you to start to learn to accept change and even embrace it and be able to use it for like improving yourself quicker. So for, like I said, most change is not what we want. And Mm -hmm. um, for me, this really was driven very much home when my second child, I have four children, was born with Down syndrome. And I found out just three hours after his birth. So this was not a change I wanted. I wanted a healthy child. Mm -hmm. And And I was scared. I was terrified. And not only did I have to mourn the child that I thought was growing inside of me, I had to accept a new reality and one that I was quite terrified of. So I had a choice to make in that moment. I could either live life fearful and, you know, stuck and 
being a victim, you know, why did this happen? Or I could say, okay, what is the opportunity here? And what do I need to change as a person to be mm-hmm. able to see this as a blessing yeah. and a gift, which it is. I mean, wow. he's been my greatest teacher by far, but if I didn't change my belief system and my consciousness and understand that nothing, you know, we, ha- we go through life with this mm-hmm. false sense of control. We think we know how things are going to go. We think we know how they're going to be. We think we have everything, you know, under control. And, and, and there's yeah. truth. That's the biggest delusion of all, right? What's really affecting people today is because right now we all feel out of control, but that is the reality yeah. every day of our lives. And so when you understand that, then this idea of change is not that far out. In fact, you're like, okay, that this is the reality. Mm-hmm. Change is the reality, exactly. not control. Like being out of control is the reality because control totally. is an illusion, like you said. It's it's so crazy how many people, like they they thought that there was a normal in life before this pandemic and now they're, they feel out of control because things are not normal. But what's normal is constant change right and what people think normal is is that everything's going to go my way (laughs) which is just not real right and that's why if people have expectations for anything they set themselves up for disappointment so is do you believe that we should not have expectations or how should we go about life knowing that change is the only truth well, I think that I don't know if expectations is the word. I think we need to have goals. I think we have to have desire, and I think we need to go after those things and pursue them. But I think that then, when we're met with opposition and a challenge, and it's not going our way, no matter how much we're trying it, then we should stop and pause and say, "Okay, what's another way that I can look at this, or what am I missing?" It's to be able to be open-minded, and you might still have the same desire and still have the same goal, but maybe you're going to go about it completely differently. So it's just like I don't believe in forcing things. I mean, it's like this. The perfect example, and this has happened to me many times, you're supposed to fly somewhere and you know when you want to be there because when you land, you have a schedule and you have this, this and that. And then for whatever reason, you missed your flight, right? You can either be upset about that and all the things you're supposed to be doing at the time now that you can't be doing them because you're stuck in an airport, or you can say, okay, that's not going to happen. So now what can I, what's the next thing that can happen? So I was going to do this on Sunday night, but I'm only going to get there on Monday. I'm going to move this around. It's about approaching life in that way. You'll still achieve things. In fact, you'll achieve more because you're going to be open. And when you're open-minded, you're going to see things that you would have missed with with Mm -hmm. that filter on, right? That tunnel vision. Yeah. And so how do you get people to be more (laughs) open-minded? Because people are really stubborn with the way we, we want things to go our way. Well, it starts with the consciousness of understanding first everything we just talked about and appreciating that process. And then it's about just being in the moment. So for instance, if you miss your flight, again, you can spend the next five hours or whatever till your next flight is being upset about it and all the things you could have been doing or should have been doing. Instead, what I do is, and I've done this, my husband and I missed a flight. We were going to a friend's 40th birthday party in a destination and everybody was on the flight together. So it would have been a fun flight. Anyway, we missed that flight. We were literally, they let the person on in front of us and we were the, like the cutoff. They're like, nope, that's it. So my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, great, let's have a date because we have four kids. We work like crazy. And we, at that time, didn't have a lot of time together. We really make our relationship a priority. So, you know, airports today, there's restaurants, they even have massages, mm-hmm. there's bookstores. I mean, we had the best time yeah. together. And then we landed and we didn't miss anything. And in fact, 
their flight ended up being completely bumpy and full of turbulence and ours was not. <laughs> so yeah. it, if you under, if you just trust the process of life and you adopt this mentality that everything happens for your greatest good, then mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be able to switch to this place I'm talking to easily. The challenge here and the problem here is really that very often people don't believe things are for their greatest good. And that's mm-hmm. why the control comes in again. And that starts yeah. from a lack of self-care and a lack of self-love. Mm-hmm. So you really have to have faith. And I talk about believing in the universe too and kind of trusting and learning to surrender even. Yeah, surrendering to something higher than you. And it's the place we've all come mm-hmm. from and it's the place we end up, right? We're not going to live forever. And it, it's about stop it's to stop fighting this natural process of life. Right. And honestly, the rewards are so much greater. I mean, I'm so much happier than when I used to live life trying to control everything. This other way mm-hmm. of, you know, when sometimes like things get, it was funny. I can't remember what it was right now, but I had something planned and there was like in a second, they're like, wait, we don't think it's going to happen. It was like a trip. It was something big. Right. Mm -hmm. And right away I was like, okay. And I was ready. I rearranged my entire schedule for the week in my head within two minutes, only because I've been practicing this lifestyle for a while. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I actually stopped. I was like, wow, that was fast. I was impressed and I was excited. Right. Because I wasn't set on any, which outcome because I know that I'm going to make the best of each and every day, no matter what I'm doing. I mean, it comes Mm -hmm. down to that. So I want to talk about your book, Rethink Love, because you talk about building better relationships. So what would you say are the main lessons in your book that you wish everyone in the world knew? Oh my God. My book is 230 pages long. I know. Um, There's a lot. I Break it down. (laughs) So I've written the book in three parts um, to actually help people navigate this whole thing because it's not just romantic relationships. Of course, that's the thing that people really pursue and desire. And I think especially now, a lot of people are very lonely and feel isolated. I talk about, so there's three parts. So the first is Mm -hmm. me. And that is the fundamental first step in every relationship. It's the relationship you have with yourself. It's the longest relationship you'll ever have. And it's the one that people usually miss before they enter a relationship. But I don't care how old you are. Mm -hmm. I don't care where you are in relationships. I don't care if you're divorced or widowed or dating it doesn't matter. This fundamental first step needs to go, you need to go back to it and put energy there because it's really the relationship. It's learning to love yourself. It's learning to appreciate who you are. It's finding your voice. It's stepping up and being arriving for yourself. It's understanding that thoughts create reality. It's identifying false belief systems. It's becoming radically accountable and it's really learning to love yourself completely and fully. So I think there's no expiration date. And if you have all of that, then anything is possible. The second part of the book is going from me to we, and that's how to maintain your beliefs and stay grounded in who you are while navigating the intricacies of a relationship with somebody else. Because it's really easy to lose ourselves when we're in a relationship. I talk about cherished delusions and Cinderella syndrome. And if you don't know who you are, you're certainly not going to find yourself now that you're trying to navigate this relationship. And the third Mm -hmm. is we, and that's a manual for growing relationship to its ultimate potential. So even if you love each other, the love should grow year to year, and it can. So this is all about elevating love. It's about learning how to fight in a spiritual way, because I think fighting is very important. I'm worried about couples who never fight. It's learning how to Mm -hmm. awaken appreciation. That's one of the first things that people lose in a relationship. And when the appreciation is lost, the love is lost. You may still love the person, but you won't be able to access it. So we fool ourselves to thinking we've fallen out of love. Happy relationships are based on deep friendships. I can't tell you how many relationships I see where people seem more like enemies than friends. And in fact, we call our best friends or girlfriends (laughs) or our buddies and we talk to them about the things we really should be talking to our partner about. 
And it talks about laughter and levity. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I see that too. I mean, that's how people came together. Of course, relationships are work, but that doesn't mean it has to be hard work. It doesn't have to be unpleasurable, right? There has to be that laughter and levity and fun yeah. in a relationship because if not, what makes it worthwhile? Yeah, totally. So I kind of want to dive into maybe like one key aspect in these three parts. So in the first part, me, can you explain what does radical accountability mean? So that is, I identify the these three big emotions that we all kind of go through. It's um, guilt, blame, and shame. And everybody has this to some degree or another. I'm really proud to say that I no longer feel any of these things. I've worked really hard not to. I'm from a Middle mm-hmm. Eastern family, and that's all I was raised with was guilt, oh, blame, yeah. and shame. I can relate to. Yeah. <laughs> so I just couldn't survive that. I had an eating disorder um, that developed when I was 18, and um, I had anorexia, and that's all it was. It was shame of wanting. It was so much guilt. I mean, I could hardly, I could hardly stand to be in my own skin. So uh, this is really being accountable mm-hmm. to who you are. And the first part is removing these three things. And I go into all of that. So accountability and blame are not the same, right? Accountability holds someone responsible for the actions and blame holds someone's responsible for how we feel, right? So it's really kind of navigating and defining these like very small things that we don't really often pay attention to. We just walk around carrying all of this. And then I talk yeah. about how we release that um, and to really to live a life where we know what we believe, we know who we are, and we're not ashamed to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you release the guilt, blame, and shame? Because I think everybody deals with that to some degree. Yeah. We do, but I think that when you learn to love yourself, this can't exist. I mean, so let's define what mm. these three things are, right? Shame is there's something so awful about us that if other people discover it, we're not worthy of their love or connection, right? Blame is when it's somebody else's mm-hmm. fault for how you feel. And then shame is when you feel so bad about something you've done that not only do you feel bad about it, but now you're a bad person. So how can you actually make good choices for yourself and think you're deserving of things, even love, if you walk around believing these things about yourself? So first you have to identify your false belief systems, see where they came from. Chances are these are things that were impressed upon you. Maybe Mm -hmm. these were your parents' belief systems, or these are the things that they walked around with, or this is what a teacher told you should feel, or or your friends, right? So you need to now, as an adult, go back and choose and decide what you believe. You can change that at any time. I mean, at Mm -hmm. some point along your life, you learn to not love yourself. So you can learn again to love yourself. But really, it's about pinpointing and identifying the negative thoughts that you have and stopping and saying, okay, I'm not going to give this any energy anymore and really force yourself to start believing the exact opposite. So even though it's going to feel kind of like you're a fraud at first, because like, no, I really do feel full of shame. And then you're going to tell yourself, no, you're not. You're lovable, right? At Mm -hmm. first, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But eventually, if you practice this day in, day out, and you wake up every morning saying the positive affirmations, you can absolutely change this. Yeah. The power of your thought is so important in this because you you have the power to change your thoughts. And I think a lot of this self-love work is is your mindset. It's because a lot of us carry, for example, guilt for not being productive or shame with our bodies or things like that. And it's, I think for someone just starting out, it can feel so hard to erase those feelings because it's so ingrained in you from either your parents, peers, society, but you really do have to like undo these, these thought and belief systems one by one. And it, it takes time. Well, yeah. just think it does, but just think about it, right? If you feel shame about your body, then how are you ever going to change mm-hmm. your body or how are you ever going to change your 
health, right? I mean, it's, it's your consciousness dictates what is. So if you think that you're, you know, not feeling great about your body, mm-hmm. well, then you're going to get more of that. If you think you're undeserving yeah. of love, well, then you're going to attract more of that. So I just think that if we pause and said, okay, I am never going to live the life that I want or attain the things that I really desire if mm-hmm. I keep thinking these things. At some point, what's stronger? Because our brains are obedient servants. If your soul tells your brain to do X, Y, and Z, it's going to start doing that. So we have far greater power than we actually think we do or that we exercise for the most part. Right. So moving on to the second section from me to we, what are the key, I guess, what, pick one key lesson that you want to share, something that we can implement in our relationships? Well, I love cherished illusions and Cinderella syndrome because I don't okay. think that people realize, I mean, they don't. Going into a relationship, nobody understands or thinks that like, you know, I'm getting married for this reason, you know, is it for the white picket fence or um, the trophy wife, or it's like a destination to somewhere, right? A better life. Nobody actually fully, I think, is that honest with themselves. The danger here is that when you have illusions, they're going to eventually be shattered, no question. And if you only married for an illusion, then you're going to be in trouble at some point. But it's better Mm -hmm. to even realize that no matter what. So for instance, my cherished illusion when I got married, my husband was raised in a spiritual home. And that was one of our things that we really connected to where we both have the same purpose and um, outlook on life. And we're driven by the same things in that regard. So I had the illusion that when I got married to him, that I would be naturally transported to a higher level of spirituality, right? So and that's not how it works. You obviously have to do the hard work <laughs> yourself. And I was already doing it, but I thought yeah. this was going to be like a shortcut, that I was going to get even further. And that's not why I married him. So my illusion wasn't particularly dangerous because I didn't have an illusion about who I married, but about who I would be in the marriage, right? But other people have an illusion about who they're mm-hmm. marrying, and that's when it becomes dangerous. So some of those illusions that people have is, I'll just go through a few. Um, Getting married will make my life complete. We know that is not true at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Nobody is responsible for sustaining a world for two people. So that's one illusion. Another one is that it will always be romantic. We Mm -hmm. know that's not true. Just introduce the first child to the mix and that's going to be out the window. I'll feel secure in the relationship once we're married. If you don't feel secure while you're dating, Mm -hmm. you're definitely going to feel more insecure when you're married. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Having kids will ensure that we stay together forever. Um, That's a funny one, especially because moms lose up to 700 hours of sleep in the first year. That's a fact. And I also tell this story, Mm -hmm. which I love, about this woman who wanted her husband to stop drinking, and she was afraid to confront him, so she had a baby, right? She thought that would sober him up, and it did. It sobered him up for a little bit, and then he started drinking again. So what did she do? She had three more children with him, and then they got divorced. Oh, my God. Then she moved on, and she met her second husband. And I just – I call him Phil Anderer, right? You get it? Philander. And in an attempt to keep him faithful, she fell back on her old strategy and got pregnant. And again, that wow. worked for a little while, and then it didn't, and she he left her for another woman. So she ended up having seven kids with the men total. Oh, my gosh. And there's just better ways to deal with this. So these are just the illusions that we have. So the thing about illusions, mm-hmm. it's important to find them because then you're going to know what's left in the relationship. So either you shatter the ones, and then you're going to say, okay, well, we, I do love this person still, and then you can work on a relationship and build you know, a strong foundation, 
Or if it was a total illusion, well, it's better to know sooner than later, right? Exactly. And it's so funny because when you talk about these stories, I I know so many people because I'm in the age where people are getting married and divorced. (laughs) And I I just see so many illusions all around. People expecting people to change once they get married or so many expectations. Completely. Well, it's human nature. We always have expectations for other people, actually more than we even expect for ourselves, right? Right. Right. Let's take a break for our sponsor, BetterHelp. We're living in uncertain times and it's hard to know how to feel about it all. I just want to say, no matter what you're feeling right now, it's okay. Your feelings are valid and you're not alone. If you ever want to talk it out and work through your feelings with a therapist, BetterHelp has given over 500,000 people, including myself, a safe and secure space to let it all out. BetterHelp matches you with your own licensed professional therapist that meets your needs. You can send your counselor a message anytime and schedule weekly video or phone sessions so it all happens remotely and at your convenience. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and on top of that, financial aid is available. If you're interested, go to trybetterhelp.com slash lavendaire. That's better H-E-L-P for 10% off your first month, a special offer just for the Lavender Lifestyle listeners. Again, that's trybetterhelp.com slash lavendaire for 10% off your first month. Okay, so let's talk about the last section, we. So what goes into this lasting, fulfilling relationship? What would you say is the most important thing? Oh gosh, there's a lot. I actually think because to get to this place, there's a lot you need to do right before this. Yeah. But I think that um, it comes down to vulnerability. Um, I don't understand how people can be in relationships for 20, 30 years and not be vulnerable with another one another mm-hmm. um and a vulnerability really I, I get it sounds terrifying at first for most people because it's opening up yourself to the possibility of being physically or emotionally wounded right especially in an argument so it yeah. sounds pretty unpleasant but vulnerability at its best creates a deep connection so much so that when you walk in a room and you look at your significant other you just know what each other's thinking with a look and that's the kind of relationship that i want for people that's the one that i've been working on with my husband We've been married 24 years now, and it is possible. The thing about vulnerability is that it's not really a choice. You're already vulnerable every single day of your life, right? So I think that for people to arrive here and to work on this is so important. And again, in this last part of the book, part three, you're going to get a lot of tools that will help you get to this place. But first understand that really it's not a choice. And it's so important for couples to be emotionally intelligent, that you know each other's lives before you're in the picture, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know what their life looks like. If you were to walk into their office, you know where the coffee maker is. I mean, you just, you, you're part of each other's daily existence. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't have separate lives and separate things that you do also, but it means that you have this space that you hold that's really sacred and you completely allow each other to be seen. Yeah. What about like becoming aware of each other's traumas and how one might project, you know, issues onto each other? Is that part of the second part or the third part? <laughs> This is all, this is all under vulnerability, Uh sharing our past fears, traumas, embarrassments. But when you open yourself up with your partner, it creates a safe space where you both can become stronger together. The key here is I see Mm -hmm. a lot in relationships. People don't 
they're not vulnerable at the beginning. They hide a lot of things. And then that's where mm-hmm. you start the relationship. And then it just goes from there. And then you keep hiding things, right? It's just not, if yeah. you, <laughs> that's like the biggest indication that the relationship needs work, or maybe that isn't the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. If you need to hide who you are in order to make them comfortable. True. Yeah. And so many people, they start dating thinking they don't want to share everything until they get to this point or there it's, it's not good. Like, I think it's better to just be vulnerable and share all of yourself in the beginning so that, you know, if someone doesn't like it, then that's okay. You move on to the next one. There's no other choice. Like, right. Like, it's, don't happy, waste time. Completely. Don't waste time trying to be someone else, trying to like hide certain parts of yourself. Just put it all out there. Completely. So I do have a Facebook question from our audience. Sabrina asked, do you have advice for someone having difficulty in a healthy relationship? She says, I've escaped multiple abusive relationships, but my current partner is great. I'm having trouble accepting what I have now. It's almost like I don't trust it. I do love that question because it's what we touched upon before. Somewhere, she doesn't think that she is Mm -hmm. deserving of love and that love is fleeting. Because to say, okay, well, you know, I had such a bad experience last time, but this can't last is not really trusting the process of life. We are all deserving of love. We are all deserving of good things. And so instead of being fearful about, you know, will this last or, you know, bringing on past hurt and past experiences and bringing it into this new relationship, I would prefer just to focus on what's good and grow from there. There's so many positive things that you can put in the relationship. There's so much to work on and to improve and to grow together. Put all of your energy and effort there and don't worry about, you know, what could happen unless there's warning signs in the relationship, which doesn't mm-hmm. sound like there are. So it's, this is just like she's focusing on the like what's not going right. Residue. Yeah. This is residue. The residue. The mm. Yeah. And I think that she can probably work through some of that and learn to release it. And that was that experience. And she probably learned great things from it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that's what's going to happen in every relationship. Yeah. Another thing I want to bring up is learning to love someone unconditionally. Like, what does unconditional love mean to you? I know a lot of people have the feeling that they want to change their partner. Maybe not like a drastic change, but even little improvements. But is that unconditional love? Like, what? how do we do that, <laughs> even when it's difficult? I love talking about unconditional love um, because un- unconditional love is different than just love. Unconditional love is the foundation of happy relationships. And it is attainable. It's loving somebody for their mm-hmm. characteristics. You value them, um, who their core self is. It's very different than just love because love is based on what you're going to receive very often from another person. Unconditional love is based on what you're giving, really, right? And I, mm-hmm. I talk about this story in my book about love and control and unconditional love and, you know, my father, who has Alzheimer's, um, so he's not really aware of any of the work I'm doing now, which is a little painful for me, but um, I tell mm-hmm. a story where when I was anorexic and he was a diabetic, we decided to hike the Grand Canyon. And, and again, you know, in hindsight, that obviously wasn't such a good idea. I don't think any doctor would have approved this for the two of us to go do this. We hiked in one day, right, from the bottom the top of the canyon to the Colorado River Mm -hmm. and then back up again so you walk straight up and you know my father could have decided that was horrible and he could have you know judged me but instead he walked alongside me and let me have my journey and I never felt judged by him because very often we try to control Mm -hmm. those we love but unconditional love means you let those that you love walk their own path 
So like you said, we often want to change the people we yeah. love. Yeah, but what about, first of all, when we talk about wanting people to change, first, make sure you're doing that work yourself. And then, you know, it's fine to want more for the person as long as that person wants that as well, right? That has to be together. And I can go, there's a whole phenomenon about that. And I can talk about that too, if you want, but I just want to continue with this for a minute. So it's interesting to consider love and control because Mm -hmm. they're both two strong forces, but they compete against one another. So when we try to control those that we love, which is often control, we want to change them, right? But by controlling them, we're not truly loving them. Yeah. So to really love someone unconditionally is to learn to go against your own nature, what you desire, what you want for them, how it should be, right? It's That's all connected to ego and, and very limited kind of love. Unconditional mm-hmm. love is letting a person have their journey and to be there with them for it. Right, and respect what they want, even if it's not exactly what you would want. Even if you don't understand it, it's letting right. go of judgment. It's letting them have their process. Yeah, it's. I think it. Yeah, unconditional love is complete non-judgment, just accepting and loving the person for everything. And also not not having self-interest, which is the tricky mm-hmm. part, right? Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. You said you wanted to t- go into something else. What was that? Oh, so the, the talk about, <laughs> I'm happy you remember, the talk about change um, in a partner, wanting a change for one another. And again, mm-hmm. of course, there's going to be things that we want our partners to change, but it has to, and there's a formula for this that really works. So it's something called the Michelangelo phenomenon. And that is when... It's the idea that we all have a better version of ourselves that's waiting to be revealed, right? Everybody has that. But for this Mm -hmm. to work in relationships is that you want for your partner what they want for themselves. So I give an example of a couple where her husband was so funny at home. He made her laugh, but she was the only one that got to see that part of him because he was painfully shy, especially in social settings. So he really wanted to come out and be the life of the party and show that part of him that really was his true essence. And she helped him, right? She helped mold him and shape him. That's Mm -hmm. why it's called Michelangelo, right? It's like having a slab of clay and you're helping molding that into the vision of that person that they Mm -hmm. have for themselves. Beautiful. There's also something called the golem effect, which is the opposite. It means that, for instance, if you're, let's say your husband wants you to be more like Marilyn Monroe, but you want to be like Joan of Arc. There's going to be a problem in that. So I'm all for change, but your vision of what you want them to change has to match what their vision of change for themselves is as well. Right. And that starts with getting to know what the desire of your partner truly is. And you work towards that goal together rather than you forcing something upon them or the other way around. And Absolutely. But a step before that is to know what you desire so that you don't end up marrying the wrong person Mm. or being with the wrong person and then trying to change. That's true. That's the whole first nine chapters. And it's so important because Mm -hmm. you need both. And of course, you're going to want parts of your partner to change, but it's going to be, it will line up and it will match if you first know who you are and know what you want and choose accordingly. Okay. Well, what about, you know, who you are, you know, what you want and you find a partner that is like 80% there, (laughs) but there's still like certain things that you don't want, but you, those are things that you're, you can't really change because they don't want to change that. So what would you say in that scenario? Do you think people should find someone better? Do you think they should like, what, what do you think? It really depends on what we're talking about. If that person is 80% there, but they don't want to have children and you do, mm-hmm. that's a different conversation, right? It right. Depends what, but if they're just messy and sloppy, you know, is that a deal breaker? I mean, there's so like, I can say when I first got married, I was the, the thing I was shocked about in the first week or two 
he was so messy. He would take his clothes off and just drop it on the floor. My boyfriend's like, the same. You yeah. I'm a Virgo. You have to compromise. No, I'm a Virgo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this, this upsets me though. It's not even that like, oh, yeah. I mind it for you or what. It's just like, I don't like to see clutter. It, it really puts me in a bad mood. Like, honestly, I'm not joking. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I get it. We thought about that at, at the beginning for a while. And then I had this epiphany one day and I was like, okay, I can't change who he is just like he can't change who I am. I'm sure that my being so organized probably irritates him, by the way. He could never find anything. Mm-hmm. I would move it. You know, where did you put this? You could see how this could be an argument. So I said, okay, yeah. you know what? I think that we need to meet some kind of compromise. And I said, I don't, I'm going to get a chair for our bedroom. You can pile all of your clothes on that chair. Stack it up. I don't care as long as it's on the chair. And then by Friday, when the weekend comes, just hang it up on a Friday. And that was something that he agreed to. And it really worked. And you know what's happened now after 24 years of marriage mm. is that he doesn't need the chair. He just hangs up his clothes, right? But oh, I wasn't, right? But that's I, good see, to hear. I, to him. <laughs> I allowed him to be who he was. He allowed me to be who he was. We found a place that was comfortable for us. And then over time, things yes. just, you know, they evolve and they change in that way. You influence mm. each other by not forcing Yeah. Them. Yeah, that's a good story. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to wrap up with some rapid-fire questions that I ask all of our guests. So, Monica, what does your dream life look like? Um, I'm living it. Uh, It's one where I wake up and I do what I love and I'm able to connect connect to people and hopefully inspire them. And uh, I'm able to be curious and explore the things that that I find interesting and purposeful. And I get Mm -hmm. to share it with people I love that are like-minded. Love it. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Oh, there's so many. Um, I'd say the number one is the Zohar, which is the main Kabbalistic text where all the wisdom is from mm-hmm. that has helped me immensely. I also love Dr. Agus's book. He's, he has a few uh, that are great on how to live uh, a healthy life, body, mind, and spirit that I find really great. I also love Anna Quindolin's book, The Secrets to a Healthy Life, I believe it's called. And I find it very inspiring. What is one habit that has changed your life? Change. (laughs) Being addicted to change (laughs) changed my life. Do you ever get tired of change? Like you don't want to change? Like some, do you ever like to take a break or are you always on it? I don't even feed that. I I don't even, you know, that's Mm. not even an option, right? Because I'd be fooling myself. No, it's just, this is reality. It's just like, you know, the air I breathe changes and everything that's happening. So it's just part of my day. Awesome. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? If you want something, you have to make it happen. And I know it sounds trivial, but it was at a time in my life where I was waiting for permission to go after what Mm -hmm. I wanted. And my husband actually said that to me. He said, most people will be happy if you just sit behind your desk and do what you've always done. If you want something, go make it happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last one, finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? That we have free will. We have free will. And we can change and see anything the way we want to. We have freedom. Mm-hmm. Really, we can do whatever we want. How blessed are we? Yeah, totally. All right, Monica, where can we find you online? You can follow me on Instagram, MonicaBerg74. You can go to my blog, RethinkLife.today, where I post regularly. And um, you can read my books. (laughs) Yes. And I'll link everything in our show notes so you guys can check her out and her books as well. Thank you so much for being here, Monica. I learned so much and I loved this topic. Thank you. I had a really good time. It's very nice to connect, especially now. Yeah, totally. 
All right, that's it for our interview. And now I want to wrap up with some key takeaways from our conversation. The first takeaway is to learn to accept and embrace change. Change is the only constant in life. So we have to expect change and be open to change. A lot of problems happen. A lot of disappointment happens because we are so resistant to change because we want to try to control our lives or control the outcomes of things when the truth is control is an illusion. There's really so much that we cannot control and to deal with that we have to learn to be more open-minded and to see every change as an opportunity. Don't waste too much time regretting what you've lost or feeling sorry or bad about it. Just ask yourself, okay, this is where I am. This is what's happened. What can I do from here on out? The next takeaway is the importance of self-love first before getting into any sort of relationship. You have to learn to radically love yourself, love yourself unconditionally. And if you truly love yourself, then guilt, blame, and shame cannot exist. And you have to recognize that you are worthy and deserving of love. If you don't feel this 100%, just keep working at it because it is possible. And trust me, I've done so much work. I still feel like I have more work to do because I learned to love myself, but I still feel a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame over certain things. And that just shows me that I am not loving myself 100%. Because if you love yourself 100%, then those things should not exist. The last takeaway is if you want to build strong, lasting relationships, vulnerability is key. You have to learn to be open, share your truth, be authentic, communicate. You shouldn't feel like you have to hide anything from your partner. You really have to learn to open up and share all the dark parts that you have, all your ugly parts too. And honestly, it's awkward and very uncomfortable to be vulnerable. And you might even make your partner feel very uncomfortable too, but that's just part of vulnerability. So you have to learn to get past that. I'll leave it at that for now. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.